0: These are not real people They do have struggles And it starts to get on my nerves I just shut down
1: So many people suffer from mental illness She's so not a great match for me And that's okay
0: of people don't understand the depth of the situation So they can't appreciate, yeah
1: Dad came upstairs And then I heard them say, like, it's happened And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm-hmm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, OK, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything, and her face dropped. You're not depressed. It's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most.
0: I mean, this 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 shit is real, and it's hard. It's exhausting.
1: So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it. And they think, oh, that's you know, that's so brave, or I could relate to that, um, and then
0: they want to talk about it. Hello, and welcome to Mike's Open Journal, and to episode 108 of the podcast. And yes, it's still Mike's Open Journal, but as you may have noticed, I'm um, starting to use a new logo and a new or shortened version of the name. Uh, for a couple of things, and I'm just going to go over that really quickly. So, Mike's Open Journal still exists. That's still the main hub and the main site for everything I do. Uh, but just where there's been a few events um, and a range of different things going on that haven't necessarily linked in as closely to the blog and the podcast. I kind of feel like there's a a little bit of a change that's starting to happening. Um, so, just to kind of keep it really clear. Uh, for the blog and the podcast, I will start to use the Mojo blog and podcast name now. So Mojo just being a shortened version of Mike's Open Journal. Uh, and it just makes it nice and clearer. It's a little bit less text um, on the logo. And for um, some of the stuff I do, it's just a little bit clearer. That's all still going to point back to Mike's Open Journal. So still Mike's Open Journal. Um, but it'll just be a shorter name uh, and clearer image used for a few things coming up uh particularly like I say when it's in reference to the blog or the podcast so hopefully that's clear enough for you as always all the information's on uh so you can find out a little bit more there and there'll be a few bits and pieces going up about the um slight rebrand um very very soon but today's episode I'm delighted to be joined by another new guest um so Jenny comes uh onto the podcast from the charity Wish um, and we had a little bit of a chat about particularly kind of women's mental health and um, the work that WISH do and that Jenny's been involved with, um, supporting predominantly, but not exclusively, uh, women coming out of prison or hospital stay. So kind of that residential environment, um, then coming into the community and how they're supported with their mental health. We also briefly talk about the difference or the similarities between male and female mental health as well. So it's really cool to just sit down. Have a little bit of a chat with Jenny and um, find out a little bit more about her and the stuff that's going on at Wish, which I have to say there's some really cool um, articles and blog posts and stuff that they're putting up um, and I know there's a range of different things uh, are coming up in the near future, so make sure you you check them out and have a look at their website and their social media and all that stuff will be in the description as well. Um, I also want to mention, we mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast, um, but wish do have a consultation happening at the moment so if you want to feedback some of your experience um you're able to do that uh they are particularly looking for for women that have been involved or have experience of either prison stays or experience of mental health um service or both uh and that would really help kind of inform the work that they do and the work that they're hoping and aiming to do in the future so it's really representative um of our very diverse and growing communities so yeah if you're interested again the link will be in the description and Jenny mentions it at the end of the episode as well so I want to say a big thank you to you guys for tuning in um big thank you to Jenny for coming on and sharing uh, a bit about her story and her journey with mental health as well and so now I'm going to drop you straight into our conversation So I usually start off with a nice easy question because then I can decide later on whether or not I edit this bit out Uh, (laughs) and it won't really matter. Um, It's a nice starting point of just asking kind of how your day's gone.
1: Oh oh, that's such a nice way of starting. Um, Yeah my day's been really good thank you. Um, We're doing, because I'm obviously at Wish, Mm. we've got kind of a lot of where, where it's been summer, we've been kind of doing all the behind the scenes work for everything that's going to be launching in autumn. Okay. So it's like that exciting stage where, you know, everyone's kind of like buzzing with an idea. And when you work in kind of mental health, um, I think it's really nice when you see that people who are like service users of mental health or experience of mental health or kind of evolved from like those beginning behind the scenes bits. Mm. It's always really nice. Um, so yeah, it always leaves me in a very, very happy mood whenever we're doing those kind of
0: things. Oh that's cool and you mentioned that you're at Wish I don't know if you can tell us a little bit very briefly about kind of what you do and what your role is and kind of how you've come to that situation.
1: Yeah of course um Wish is a women's mental health charity and um, we've been going since 1987 so a while now um and we're a user-led charity so service users of people who use mental health services are the ones that kind of are on our on our board and uh, such a role in deciding what we do because we work with um, women with mental health needs in prison, hospitals, and in the community. Mm. Just kind of supporting them through their journey, both in the mental health system and in the criminal justice system. Providing you know emotional, and practical support, just kind of a range of different things to look at a woman more holistically and and kind of longer. We're very long term in our approach. Mm. Um, me in particular, I'm their communications officer, so I'm sort of the one doing all the the typing and <laughs> the putting, helping with forms and kind of doing reach out. Of I write articles quite a lot. We just did a piece for Mental Health Today about LGBT people, why you know they're they're sort of not being helped at the moment in the way they should be by mental health services, and um, because I'm I'm in the LGBT community, so that's obviously quite an important issue for me. And then I came to wish. Kind of through those things, like being interested in in mental health through looking at within different sectors as well, like what it means to be LGBT with a mental health issue, or what it means to be a woman with a disability with a mental health issues, all those kind of things. Mm. Um, and then, but I really found Wish by coincidence um, because I work also work with a community charity in East London, and Wish their offices is in their space. Oh, so okay. We kind of, yeah, we kind of met by accident. And it was just one of those things that seemed like, yeah, such a dream, dream coincidence to happen that we realised we were, yeah, similar, similar minds. So it's always nice to to meet a charity because it's quite a small charity. Um, but now I've kind of found out more about what they're doing and I'm part of it. It's it's such a pivotal role that it plays, and it's really nice to get to be a part of such a lovely group of women.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's interesting, I think, because. I've spoken to a few people now that are on kind of different um, sort of small charities or organisations, particularly like in their local communities. And it seems like they kind of come in and go like, Oh, I would have been someone that would have used this service, but just no one knows about it. And that's kind of the role that they end up in because I just want more people to know about this because I would have accessed it. And I think um, that's a really um, cool thing for those sort of smaller organisations and charities to have because that person is really passionate about their service in particular rather than just, oh, I'm a marketing person. Um, I think, yeah, you come in with a real um, passion for the cause as well and that definitely makes a difference, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're kind of maybe a more local organisation or a smaller organisation, you get kind of a different type of contact with the people who use your services, Mm -hmm. like the women who we work with are kind of free to come into our offices, which is like a very nice, cozy space. Um, and I think that's, yeah, quite unusual in that you get to have such a, a good relationship with the people you work with in a real personable one, which is really nice, yeah, with local kind of smaller charities.
0: You mentioned the, um, the article that you've written about um, LGBT communities and individuals as well accessing that. And I noticed when I was scrolling through earlier, um, some of the stuff that you've posted is stuff that I wouldn't necessarily think about um, when you're talking about particularly maybe sort of those minority communities or people in certain situations. And one of the recent articles that kind of caught my eye was the the conversation of um, people being released from prison on the Fridays. Yeah. And um, even just like skimming bits, I was like, I just, I would never have thought of that um and it obviously you talk about the fact that they're coming out on a friday and then not access to maybe housing support uh medication whatever their needs are um on a weekend and you're just like oh oh because it's not my situation it's just not in my mind at all and i'm like oh, yeah. what's why not on a friday and then it's only for a reading three, you're like actually this massively impacts on on someone and that's without any thought about um maybe their own sort of mental situation of how they're coming, how they feel about leaving prison or maybe a particular sort of um, uh, residency uh, as to how they would feel in that situation anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because sort of with the work that we do, a lot of it is with women in prison and in the criminal justice system. And it's something that's not talked about that much. But like you said, when you read those, those kind of articles mm. and, um, I mean, there's the stats are sort of like women who are recently released from custody are 36 times more likely to commit suicide compared to the general population. And once you kind of look into it, you realise that there's this kind of huge gap in, in people who aren't being supported. But it's something that, yeah, as you say, if you've not got experience of it, you don't necessarily think of it. And particularly with the criminal justice system, you might kind of dismiss the women as being, you know, while well, they're, in, they're in prison, like, what's the, the point? But the, the idea with mental health services is that we should be supporting everyone from every mm. section of society and women in prison it's a lot more complicated than just kind of a blanket statement and that's why you're kind of sharing those articles and looking at those different pockets of society that maybe aren't reported as much is yeah really really important
0: i think it kind of made me think because i've i've previously worked and i'm very aware of kind of the uh like educational institutions and how they work and yeah. um the impact that um people of all ages have um, when they're at those places of of learning and the the type of support that's meant to be there Um, and in that gap between I'm leaving this institution and now going out into the in brackets real world and we talk about that quite a lot or I have before and kind of looking at again that article in particular really made me think of actually this is quite a similar type of situation where you have been in a an institution where there has been a set amount of support and again that might be rubbish it might be good um but you're going from that um place where there has been set kind of rules and support to suddenly being being kind of put back out into wider community and it's like well what what sort of support is there for that um and yeah it's all very well like you say to say oh this person's been to prison or whatever But the whole point of our justice system is that, well, they've now finished that time and their rehabilitation has been complete. So they are now a member of society, just like anyone else. Um, And so that service and that support should be there for them. Um, And like you say, it's not something that um, I'd ever really thought about or ever really spoken about before. And I think that was a bit of a... um, I was like, oh, cool, someone's looking at this. But also, oh, what a shame that actually, like, I've been doing the podcast for, I don't know, two years or something, and this is the first time I've ever even thought about it or spoken about it, and I think that's a real shame that it's not more widely spoken about.
1: Yeah, it's such a kind of gap in in the conversation around mental health because it's been great seeing how the mental health conversation has opened up recently, but it does feel like it's something talking about people leaving services and leaving maybe the criminal justice system or secure hospitals and going to the community isn't kind of talked about that much but with with wish we have our community link program that's been running uh, since 2002 and that the aim of that is to support women from when they leave prison or secure hospitals and help them to go back into the community because there is such a like you said with any kind of education system or anything like that when you leave it there is suddenly this gap where you had a structured service that's now disintegrated and if you want to stop you know the revolving door effect of for, for this particular situation women keep going back to prison you need to have the support the mental health support services there for when they leave mm-hmm. and that's kind of from like a very practical sense as well that saves like government and society money as well because you're you're stopping this kind of system from just trapping women in and you're helping women you know kind of live the lives that that's most beneficial for them but also most beneficial for the community. So, yeah, it's it's really nice doing this work and talking to people and hearing how much people do want to engage with this kind of gap in the mm. mental health services. Mm. Um, and, yeah, people want to have that conversation. is really, really good to hear.
0: And I know that sort of links in loosely. I'm not great at <laughs> um, <laughs> to, um yeah. the, the consultation that you're doing at the moment, which is obviously going to be um, asking other people their input and their experience, I guess. I don't know. If you're able to give us a little bit of kind of an introduction to that.
1: Yeah. So our most recent project is our Women's Mental Health Network that's using or like it's a kind of organisation that's linking different voluntary organisations from across different sectors um, to kind of work together to provide this kind of campaigning platform for to support women with mental health needs and for them to use it to raise their voices about the issues that are important for them. And as, you know, as I said before, we're a user-led service. So Mm. before, because ultimately we want to use the network as a campaigning platform. But before we do that, we want to know what exactly is within service provision that the women we work with want, or maybe the women we don't work with, but who have experience in the mental health criminal justice system want to change. And so at the moment we're doing, we've got a survey that's up on our website that's inviting people to tell us what are their priorities, what do they want to change within service provision, you know, it's to do with there not being enough housing or that they feel like you know, they're being re-traumatised by the system. And then from that, we're going to launch our campaigns still involving kind of users at every level. But yeah, we want to, from the beginning, want to have it do the campaigns that are most useful. So we want to make sure we hear from as many women as possible about what's important to them.
0: So do they have to have um, like a particular experience or viewpoint to take part in the consultation?
1: It's just any any woman who's had any sort of contact with either the mental health system or the criminal justice system or both um just because they're sort of bits that pull on mm. service provision and particularly statutory services so that's kind of where the most relevance is um and obviously they're, they're the voices that understand it the most but it's kind of we want to make sure we reach women from as much of a range of communities as possible because we want to ensure that the work we're doing reflects, you know, kind of the diverse population, Ooh. and that we're not listening to one voice. And that's what's really important about this consultation is that it's we want to have our kind of target is to have five thousand women respond to it. If you want to ensure, you know, we're doing the most we can to ensure that we're helping as many women as possible.
0: That's the thing, isn't it, of having that um, that spread of uh, feedback? Because I've yeah, it's been really interesting when I've done. Um, surveys and things before and you think oh okay i've done a had 100 people take part in this i feel like i've got a good gauge of what's going on and um it's not until you kind of open that up a little bit more you think oh actually what what percentage is that of my audience (laughs) (laughs) i've done stuff before at a university and they had oh how many i think it was like 60 people completed an evaluation and we were like oh I say because it's 60 people, it's more than we expected initially. Um, And then, but as we started to draw out more and more findings and thought about how we could use what we'd found out, we're like, actually, 60 people isn't really enough because we're now applying what we've learnt here to um, like a couple of thousand people. We're like, now the numbers just don't match up. It's not not really representative. Um, I think we ended up kind of redoing like a second round of that um so that's really cool to hear that you're kind of having to think about actually yeah there's going to be great kind of individual stories that come from that and personal experiences but also looking at we do need a wide spread of people who have had different types of experiences that can add into um a, a larger picture i guess
1: yeah definitely and as wish very much support the kind of holistic approach of looking at how someone's life services and life experiences will affect you know their mental health it's important mm-hmm. to ensure that you're therefore looking at a range of women with different life experiences so that other organizations who are in the network with us arrange from working with you know asylum seekers to homeless women to um women of color because you want to make sure like you said yeah you're getting a representative sample back and that you're catering for all women rather than you know one particular set like example of a woman and yeah it's really important
0: yeah, and I've I've had people come on here before. I mentioned actually the the difficulty. Like I I'm um, as a male, quite aware of the the struggle of of men coming forward and talking about mental health. But um, I've previously spoken to um, someone that came on. They spoke about the difficulty if you're a person of colour and how hard that can be in terms of um, the the culture um and some of the uh issues related to their family as well and again it's just something that I would I wouldn't have thought about I wouldn't have known about I had no reason to kind of think that there was more there um because I've not spoken to someone about that before and like you say it's it's opening that opportunity to to have that conversation and I always think that's it's really interesting because I went um this is a tangent I'll try to keep it short <laughs> I went along to uh, uh uh, theatre performance, oh I don't know, about six or eight weeks ago and um, it was just a local performance uh, and it's not a regular thing that I'd go along to but they were raising money for a local charity so I went along and um, I came away thinking, oh that's really good, It's really, really diverse in terms of like there were people, I think like the youngest cast member was probably early 20s and they had people up to I think about 80 in the cast um they had a real um range of body shapes and sizes. Uh they included a uh a trans person's story um into the play and I was just like, oh so good, it's so diverse and it's includes stuff about mental health. And I um I came out, I walked back to the car, which took me about ten minutes thinking how amazing and how diverse this play was. Got in the car, put my keys in the engine, turned the engine on, and I was like, oh. But they were all able bodied and white. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny how you can yeah. really think you're doing something amazing and being really diverse. And like, actually, when you take a step back, it's really not that diverse. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's great, like, any sort of effort towards improving dialysis is really good, but no, I, I definitely see what you mean. I can think of several places I've seen and I've thought the exact same thing that you have
0: just said. But yeah. yeah. so you're like, I can't believe it, it's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as amazing as I thought. Um. So, yeah, away from, away from that <laughs> tangent, Um, you started to talk a little bit about, um, life experiences and how important obviously that is to the, the consultation and the work that you're doing as well. I don't know if you will be happy to share a little bit of your own kind of life experience around um, mental health. Yeah um, so
1: I think a lot of people who work, I mean this is a mass generalisation but I'll do it anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people who work in mental health I'm sure from my experience at least have obviously had some sort of interaction or experience of mental health. For me um, when I was younger sort of uh, early teens Uh, I started having quite severe OCD and then later depression and because I was my my dad had very severe depression and I looked after him from kind of a young age and that then therefore kind of had a had an impact on my own mental health um because it's kind of yeah obviously mental health isn't something that happens in isolation it's kind of affected by everything going on around you um but yeah it's something that Luckily I got help with, I got counselling and um I have a very close relationship with my mum who's very supportive and I know that I've been very lucky in, in the help that I received to, you know, help help me kind of deal with my mental health needs in the way I needed to. It's still, I think with anyone, mental health is very much an ongoing process and getting to work in the mental health sector means you're very aware of looking after your own mental health because obviously you need to be in the best place you can be to therefore help people who maybe aren't in the best place they can be. Um, but I think it makes you yeah, feel more passionate about your work when you've had experience with mental health. And particularly, you know, I've seen the effects that maybe having like a, a difficult relationship with a parent and the kind of emo- emotional abuse that can come from dealing with someone with mental health issues as well is quite an unusual way of being introduced to what mental health means. Um, and it's definitely affected how I now view it and can understand all the different things that can affect it and ensuring yeah that getting that balance right between looking after other people's mental health whilst also looking after your own yeah
0: I think you're I think you're probably pretty right with the Um, Most people, I think, yeah, it's a generalisation, but uh, it's probably fairly accurate, um, that are involved in, I guess, not just mental health. I suppose a lot of um, specific health-related charities or small organisations would um, rely on people having a passion for that particular cause. Maybe it's their own experience. Maybe it's an experience of... um, someone they know um relating to that cause i i don't know i i'm trying to think of how much i know that as a fact or how much i'm yeah, making assumption on yeah, that i'm not sure um i know definitely for myself like i've started this year working for a, um a local mental health charity and predominantly i i was kind of looking for that type of role at that type of place because of my own experience with mental yeah. health and I don't know that I would have um I don't think I would have been even looking at that type of job or those types of employers um before I'd had that experience uh so I can completely understand that viewpoint because I'm one of those people uh yeah. but I'm yeah I, weird, I, it? yeah i don't I don't know I always used to wonder when I was younger I was like all these people that like all the fundraisers and stuff like that I was like why don't people ever run for something that they don't have any connection with (laughs) and I guess it's just because you kind of by the time you get to a stage where you would do something you've been affected by something yeah um so it like it might not be you it'd be a family member or a friend um there will be a there will be a charity um that has helped and supported in some way because um so many of our services are over um over prescribed that we rely on on charities now to do um, a lot of that support, like you say the work that you're doing with with women leaving prison or, or hospital or different types of groups and um, the probably thousands if not more um of other charities doing work with um their own kind of specific areas. I think charities are definitely kind of overlooked and their work is definitely kind of i don't know assumed to some extent rather than kind of celebrated or recognized
1: yeah i've been ever sort of since i started working with wish we do a lot of work with um other women's charities or people in different sectors just kind of work together and share specialist knowledge and and expertise and i've just become aware of how many charities there are doing things that are so vital, but I just had no, no yeah. kind of concept of, like, particularly, like, referencing that, the article I said where I was talking about, sort of LGBT mental health, so I was mm. researching mm. into mental charities that were LGBT specific, so I kind of, um, like, go with their research, cause obviously that's their specialist area, and there were so many, and it was wonderful to see, and obviously those services, I know myself how needed they are, but you just kind of forget that there's charities that are bridging these gaps that currently exist, and then, yeah, we do definitely take, take them for granted a little bit. So I'm trying to be more aware of of all the kind of amazing projects that are going on around me and how Wish can help support them as well as like how work can kind of cross cross with each other and interlink.
0: because
1: yeah. um, we always aren't the way the network works, the women's mental health network, is that like organizations can join if they want or individual people. We have like mental health nurses or, you know, psychologists or lawyers who are all kind of part of it. And then people can just join on our website because we know that there's so many areas of knowledge also we don't have that other charities maybe have other organizations and it's all about sharing those resources and helping other people where you can that maybe aren't the audiences that are directly affected by what your charity does but it's still really important and we can offer something to help so for example like women who like organizations who work maybe with homeless women where you can help with the mental health part of that but someone else might help with sort of housing and it's how you kind of all work together and yeah the the way the charities work together has really yeah been really inspiring getting to see
0: i think it's definitely about that kind of opportunity to collaborate and learn from each other and and recognize the strengths that are there and i know um one of the points that we were going to kind of talk about briefly was the uh, maybe the similarities or the differences between things like male and female mental health and i think um kind of linked into that at the moment i feel like there's a really positive atmosphere around talking about um, male mental health, which is really really good and there's uh, a lot of promotion about the the statistic of the the largest killer of men under 45 or 50 um, being suicide. Uh, but I've also read, which I've seen reported in like only one place, that while the stat is um, like the under 45 or 50 for men, um it's i think it's between 18 and 35 for all genders and um i was just really interested because like again that's quite a key age bracket um the fact that it's recognized as is the largest or the biggest killer um for that age group and yet i've seen that written about in only one place and um the while it's great that there's a lot of attention being drawn to men's mental health and um, to kind of preventing male suicide, I think it's also really important that we don't kind of look at that as an exclusive um, thing and that where appropriate, actually, that the, that information or that progress is being spread across to, to other genders as well.
1: Yeah, because sort of at which we support gender-specific advocacy, which kind of means making services yeah, just more gender specific and that's looking at, you know, men and women, there are different life experiences and it's so important to talk about, like, as you say, the the focus on opening up the conversation around men's mental health because, you know, it's often, you know, that stereotype like man up and men aren't encouraged enough to talk about their mental health.
0: Mm. But you
1: also need to look at things like women are more likely to be in low income, low status jobs and more likely to be affected by poverty and you need to see how those things are going to affect mental health and stereotypes you know about women being you know the hysterical woman how that maybe leads to them being labeled like overdiagnosed of depression and labeled in the wrong service or you know women's mental health needs aren't sort of discussed in the right way or in the kind of specific enough way because women are kind of still stereotyped to be you know they should be quiet and pretty and blah, blah blah and if they do anything that deviates from that it's kind of frowned upon so women are judged I think from the work we do what i've seen is they're judged a lot more harshly when it comes to you know the psychiatric system because they're just you know mad and bad are the words we come across a lot because women have you know dared not to be what the stereotype is and it's a in this, as the way i said before men also have a stereotype that is really damaging their mental health and it's about understanding the way that gender does play in mental health and you know women are more likely to get anxiety and ocd and things like that but men Uh, There's a high proportion of them having mental health issues that lead to drug and alcohol abuse. So it's saying, okay, if we know these things, how do we provide a needs led approach to both of them so that we can really help people in the best way we can, rather than just, you know, this blanket approach that isn't meeting anyone's needs. It's about, yeah, definitely being more specific in the services you provide and listening to the people that you're providing the service for as well. You know, their voices are ultimately the most important ones.
0: Yeah, I've spoken before, we've kind of spoken a few times about that that side of kind of men's mental health being, like you say, like man up, and basically ignore that stuff that's happening. Um, but it's interesting you kind of touched on there, actually, I think from the female side, is there a lot more of, um, not necessarily ignore what's happening, but actually that association of, oh, kind of the mental health side is feelings and emotion, and it's all those things that are linked with, in theory kind of being feminine and actually that holding people back say you might have a, a, a young woman aspiring to do whatever in her in her career or in her life but feels like actually by displaying emotions or talking about her mental health and how she feels um is going to be viewed in a negative way um yeah. so it's kind of a it's different but it's the same type thing as the male side like it's a different situation but it's having the same outcome of don't talk about that here
1: yeah it's like they're applied in different ways but they have the same effect and Mm. they're both limiting the men and women or people who identify as non-binary and Mm. that they can't yeah they can't express how they're feeling or their mental health you know isn't being they're being undermined essentially by the services that should help them because I mean the the kind of annoying thing is that gender-specific services the policies are there if you look you know they've been. Wish first said about gender specific services in 1999 but there's been reports from like the department of health the ministry of justice lots of things kind of really advocating for gender specific services but they've just not been implemented um and so it's kind of asking why have they not been implemented why do they need to be implemented and how do we do that like really to benefit both all sides of society yeah definitely
0: i think it's that side because i've always um i've always kind of disliked the idea of oh this is male and this is female like you have the um remember when you were like a kid and you go along to like fairgrounds and stuff had like the boys lucky dip and the girls lucky yeah. dip and all <laughs> that sort of crap i can't that annoys me a little bit because it sort of reinforces that stereotype and i can understand why there is a reluctancy, I very much doubt this is the reason why, um, but I can understand a reluctancy to prescribe to um this is a service for um this is a this is the way we should service or work with men, and mm. this is the way we should um, service or, or work with women and I completely agree like actually it shouldn't be like that, but that is based on the knowledge that everyone is going to do exactly what you've said, which is have an individual approach, listen to what the person says and react appropriately. And we've got to be honest and say that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And I think that's when you go get into the stage where you're like, okay, our ideal world is not happening. We need to at the very least kind of put in some sort of basic level of, of understanding and support. And that's where, in my mind, kind of the different types of services that focus I've seen charities kind of rise up that are focusing on male mental health recently and um, obviously the stuff you're doing with with women as well and I think that's why those areas become so important because actually um, our ideal world situation where everyone is treated individually and given the service and support that they need just it doesn't happen um, so we have to make a little bit more in terms of the grouping and go okay so you, you're going to sit in the maybe more of a male group and you're going to sit in a female group or you might sit in a um a group that focuses particularly with um young black males or or you might sit in a group where we're going to focus on lgbt and i think it's a real shame we have to be like that but um at the moment i think that's the best we can do to support those people
1: yeah i get what you mean there's definitely kind of you don't want the kind of broad strokes. You want everything to be kind of as individualistic as possible and yeah, yeah, the best way of doing that at the moment at least is to look at, you know, maybe so how if we're working with women, let's look at maybe the factors that are predominantly more affected by women. So, I mean, or or kind of how impact women, that's probably the better way of saying it is things like, you know, we really look at like violence and abuse and how that affects women's mental health, because that is something that statistically is more experienced by women. But obviously, there's still generalizations there, um, and it's about yeah working with the person who's in front of you um, mm-hmm. in a kind of yeah ideal world, looking at their exact needs and and doing doing what you can with that, and wish wish where we can, um, we definitely apply a more kind of individualist individualistic, individualistic I can't speak and holistic approach. Um, they sound the same. I sound like I'm rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think uh, that definitely comes across then and like you say, as we to kind of um, round off at the beginning we spoke about the consultation and we're talking about making the service as um, as tailored and as specific as possible and that's why it's really important to to give your feedback on services, whether um, you do that through um, the consultation with Wish or you look back at some of the services that you've used before, like, do give that feedback because that will inform services in the future, that's definitely really important. Um, I don't know, Jenny, if there's a couple of sort of links or places for people to go to find out a bit more about WISH. Um, and I'll obviously include the the link to the um, consultation as well. But I don't know if there's some main places that people can look out for you.
1: Yeah. Um, just To kind of find out more about WISH, mm-hmm. um, our website is um, women at uk, And then we have a website specifically for our Women's Mental Health Network, which is where you'll find our consultation. And that's womensmentalhealthnetwork.com forward slash consultation. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. Um, we're happy always to chat away. We're at Wish Charity. Um, but yeah, our consultation is really, we can never emphasize enough how important it is for people to use their voices. Um, and we, we really want to listen to them. So yeah, it's, it's important, as important as I could possibly stress it to, to have your say, definitely.
0: Cool. Thank you very much for your time, Jenny. And uh, it's been really interesting to hear a bit more about Wish as well. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. It's been to speak to you.
0: No worries. See you soon.
1: Bye.
0: There's a lot of people, they've had struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from
1: mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay.
0: A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate. Yeah.
1: Dad came upstairs, and then I heard him saying, like, "It's happened," and I was like, "What's happened?" It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to light it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well, so it sort of started from there. And then she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything, and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most.
0: I mean this 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 shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting.
1: So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, Oh, that's you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that um, and then they wanna talk about it.